Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist's relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff. My guest today is actor, musician, and composer Nicholas Kaminsky. Nick has previously served as the resident music director at Surflight Theater, as well as assistant music director on the national tour of Cabaret. He has also composed music for animated shorts, cabaret pieces, musical theater shorts, and standalone albums. Nick holds a BA in music from Mason Gross School of the Arts at Rutgers University, as well as a BA in communication, specializing in interpersonal and relational communication. Nick is also the composer, lyricist, and book writer of the musical Starborn, a disco odyssey, which I had the privilege of directing in March 2020, just before the shutdown occurred. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here, Allison. Thanks. So I've actually invited you here today to talk about dating in the industry and the anxiety that has caused you um, and and others for that matter. Um, But first, I start um, every session off by asking uh, the same question, which is tell me a little bit about your background as an artist and your relationship with anxiety. Uh, Well, I am a musician uh, primarily. I started out, I wanted to be an actor uh, when, I, when I got into the industry, but I didn't think that I was good enough to do it. Um, and I just happened to play piano and people paid me to do that. And uh, for the longest time I did that. Um, and then more recently I started getting back into acting um, and uh, I got into writing. Um, and and I, I found that uh, at least pre-pandemic, uh, that sort of... Um, I found that that sort of diversification in my skill set... Uh, led me to working more. Um, right. But it having uh, a lot of hats that I can wear uh, means that I have to hone a lot of skills a lot of times. And uh, there's a lot of anxiety with that. Um, you know, you're, you know, in general with this industry, you're constantly applying for jobs. Uh, you know, nothing lasts more than, you know, three to six months, you know, generally. So you're, you're, you're constantly putting yourself out there. You're constantly putting down resumes. You're constantly uh, submitting self-tapes. And, and when you have such, when, when you apply for so many different kinds of jobs, you know, I'm sending out self-tapes of me singing. I'm sending out uh, reels of me conducting. I'm sending out um, recordings of songs that I've written. Um, and, uh, and I have different resumes for each of those um, for each of those aspects of my career, and it uh, you know it gets hard to to keep it all straight, except for this year, <laughs> um, where um, I, I'd like to say I, I've taken a break from applying to things. <laughs> um, and doesn't that feel good in a way? Like, oh yeah, to just to just take a step back and be like, oh, <laughs> I can breathe for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I haven't had any job interviews uh, in quite a while. Um, and uh, through the medium of audio podcasting, uh, you can't see uh, the uh, glorious COVID beard that I'm currently rocking um, or the pants that I'm not wearing. Nice, nice. <laughs> I like to paint an audio picture for your audience. I appreciate that, as do they. Um <laughs> So, but, uh, you know, along those lines, also not having work and going on interviews could also be anxiety inducing. Um, so there's that. 
yeah, it has um, definitely put a financial strain on me, and, and I mean everybody in the industry at the moment. I'm not I'm not special. Uh, uh, I've had to I, I I've been lucky enough to rent out the place that I was living, uh, so I don't have to really worry about um, my mortgage. Uh, but I do I have moved back in with my parents uh, for the duration of the pandemic, so that's uh, fun and an experience. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a whole psychological study when this is all over of all of the people who have moved back in with their parents and, and, and what we've learned, how, how that's impacted us, how that's impacted our parents. Like it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It when, is a when thing. I, when I signed up, you know, to do theater, I, I, I understood the risks. Um, and I thought right. that if there's any going to be a reason why I wasn't going to live in my house and I would have to move back in with my parents, it would be because, oh, everybody just thinks I'm terrible and no one wants me to work. Not uh, <laughs> the entire world is shut down. Right. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, we have parents to go back to, you know, there's there's yeah. that. Yeah, I um, am uh, lucky. Yes. Yes. Um, so. You have, in addition to your degree in music, you also have a degree in communication. So what what about dating within the industry has given you anxiety? There's a lot of pressure in other industries, um, mm -hmm. I've found, to have a sort of partner unit. Um, I found this in when I worked in, um, I used to teach music. And, um, and I've worked, you know, some office jobs as we do. And I've noticed that in those types of jobs, that people really, that your coworkers really expect you to have a partner. Hmm. Um, that I've noticed that, you know, there's, everyone has like their, their married partners or whatever, and, and they're always around. Like, mm -hmm. even those people don't, I don't work with your husband, you know, your husband is always there and is always part of the conversation. Hmm. So, um, in those types of jobs, I felt a lot of pressure to have a partner and have that partner be involved with my job. Hmm. Um, in theater, I don't get that at all. Um, that it, it, it's it's interesting that there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot more interdating in theater than in other industries. That it's it's more encouraged um, and normal to date mm -hmm. coworkers and even superiors and subordinates. Right, right. So what are some situations that you found yourself in within the industry um, in a relationship or dating that sort of caused you some anxiety or do you have, do you have an anecdote or whatever to share? <laughs> um, there have been times where um, I, I had been in relationships uh, with people um, and, you know, those relationships were no more, but I, I th they were with uh, people who I thought were very talented um, and would like to work with again. And uh, it came to the point where in um, when I did my first reading of the musical that I wrote Starborn, um, we did it at Surflight theater and I had, um, asked a lot of people to be a part of that. Um, mm -hmm. And it turned out that uh, <laughs> I, I wound up having like, I think three ex-girlfriends uh, as part of that <laughs> cast. 
Um, okay. You know, we're all, and- we've all remained friends. You know, it's uh-huh. not, I mean, not them with each other. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> then you, 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 want, you find yourself working in a professional setting now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was essentially leading that weekend, you know, in charge of this group of people where, you know, three of my ex-girlfriends were present. Mm-hmm. And so that does get, and you know, one of them I hadn't seen in, uh, you know, close to a decade. Mm-hmm. If we had not ended on good terms, that would have been awkward. But I, I think it's important in general to end on good terms with your partners. I don't think, uh, I, I haven't really left on bad terms with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's important. It's a good rule for in general, just in any relationship you have, be it a friendship, a business relationship, a romantic relationship, to just to try and leave things on good terms. Yeah, because, I mean, these people know your deepest, darkest secrets, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> they could blackmail you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I don't want that. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, especially in theater, you know, if, if you're dating people who are talented and you you have an opportunity that they would be perfect for, uh, you would hope to be able to call them for that. And, you know, you would hope that they would want to call you uh, if they had a similar opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it. So have you found yourself in a situation where, you know, you were the music director and somebody came into audition for you that you had previously dated? And and if yes, then what was that like? Uh, what was the yes. dynamic? <laughs> Uh, um, I've had that more as, uh, more as an audition accompanist, um, mm-hmm. than a straight, uh, music director where, uh, I didn't know this. Yeah. If you, if you know that I'm going to be playing for you, um, you know, just let me know that you're coming in, especially we haven't seen each other in a couple of years because, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sight reading your music and that's that requires pretty much full mental acuity. And (laughs) if you come in and you hand me, you know, astonishing or something and I haven't seen you and it's just like, Oh, here's my ex. Like that is going to completely throw me off. Um, And, and that's, that's happened a couple of times where, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, an ex or, um, or at least somebody that I had dated casually had come into an, an audition room and you know, completely unannounced, and mm-hmm. uh, where they definitely knew, definitely knew that I was going to be playing, and they didn't want to be awkward and send me a message or something. But uh, that message would have been appreciated, so I wouldn't be like, "Oh, oh my god!" And then I have to explain to the to the people behind the table why I played that song so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, the science behind showmances. So let's talk a little bit about group dynamics and social anxiety. Are there any communications theories about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, there's there's a concept in uh, communication theory that we are always acting. Hmm. That, that we're always actors, we're always acting, and that we—it's—it it, it, it ties into the idea of like code switching. You know, when you, you know, when you're with different people, you speak differently, uh, you right. act differently, different codes of behavior, that kind of thing. But in a deeper sense, you don't 
let you, know, you don't let people in to know the real you unless they're you know a real uh, you know very close to you so you're mm-hmm. constantly acting and so there's that, that concept and which complicates theater relationships so much because you're acting on like you were literally acting mm-hmm. um, and then you get off you know it's it's hard to turn off and especially if you have ever met an actor it's hard for them to turn it off mm-hmm. um, you know in you know both in ter- like in the media like you know you get off stage and you know I know, you know there's some actors you know you do a difficult show and you have to you're just emotionally wrecked for the rest of the night um, but in in a in a broader sense you know there there are actors who just don't who just who are always this persona Mm-hmm. you know um and which ties into reputation that some people um that some people have built a persona in order to get these jobs and you know it works right. for, it works for some people but how do you date a person like that um right uh, especially you know especially if you've seen two people like two of these big persona human beings who wind up dating each other <laughs> and and the the supernova <laughs> that causes Right. But I also feel like, I mean, is there a layer of of the getting to know you phase that gets removed when you're in theater? Going back to your communications theory, like, is there, because we are expected to be in these open and vulnerable places and, and be intimate with each other um, in ways that you wouldn't be in a normal job, um, does that sort of remove a layer or a step in the process? Yes. Um, our entire rehearsal process uh, <laughs> in, in theater is designed to eliminate all of that. Mm-hmm. It, it's designed to get us past um, past these initial stages of relationships so that we can have chemistry on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it starts off from right at the table read we go around the room we say our name and we say uh what role we're playing and then sometimes you know the stage manager might have to do something fun like two truths and a lie or something like that um but there's a reason we do that the goal of theater is to create a believable chemistry on stage you know that's one of the goals right and uh you can't you really can't do that if the 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 actors aren't comfortable with each other right Um, and in uh in communication uh, theory we 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 talk about the uh, stages of forming relationships and then uh, the dissolution of relationships and there's uh, there, there there's generally uh, accepted stages uh, to, to 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 both okay and and so theater is generally designed to make sure that we skip these early stages um, where you know the, the the beginning stages are you know we we have initiation which is uh, People say, uh, which is basically just like, "Hey, this is my name, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm just going to initiate some contact with you." That's the first stage. Then we have experimenting, and the experimenting phase is like, where you say a little bit about yourself, I say a little bit about myself. We see how that gels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you might say like, well, "I like, I like the Seahawks." It's like, "Oh no, I'm an Eagles fan." And then, boom! <laughs> so the experimenting phase is done, and we don't go further with this relationship, right? <laughs> So we go through these stages. And so theater is designed to, like our rehearsal process is designed to, we need to skip, we, we're going to have a formal initiation. <laughs> so everyone's going to introduce themselves. That stage is gone. And experimenting, you know, we're, 
everybody's here for this. You know, you don't really mm-hmm. have a, a choice, um, which is an, another uh, another concept in, in in relationships is the idea of a voluntary and involuntary relationships, um, hmm. where we our voluntary relationships are people like our 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 friends um, mm-hmm. and um, you know acquaintances and and our our partners, uh, and involuntary relationships are things like our family and our coworkers, and we we split them up further into personal and um, social relationships where our family and our partners would be, you know, personal relationships and mm-hmm. acquaintances and coworkers would be social relationships. And we get mm-hmm. different things out of each one. Uh, so you can have a voluntary, uh, a voluntary personal relationship then mm-hmm. would be your partner, um, your best friend, um, People, these are relationships that you choose to be in um, that are very close. So our coworkers would normally be um, involuntary social relationships in any other field. But mm-hmm. in theater, a lot of directors and um, producers will want to move people to involuntary personal relationships in order to mm-hmm. get to that, that space on stage. So your, your theater Coworkers really become more like a family, and this is really amplified, you know, when you're doing isolated contracts. Right. The idea, you know, that that we that we can move very quickly into personal relationships in theater, mm-hmm. um, and I and I, it almost it, they don't really feel like friends. They feel mm-hmm. like siblings mm-hmm. um, because we didn't pick them. Right. You know? Like right. I didn't. Um. Uh. Now you do have. It, it, there, there is agency in these things. Like you don't become friends with everyone you're with, mm-hmm. um, and you don't, uh, and obviously don't date everyone <laughs> you uh, you work with, right? Um, and so I think the people who can have the healthiest balance of of this uh, are the people who can understand that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to be best friends with everyone that you're working with. Uh, I think that's a really important point to make. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) I think having an awareness around relationship dynamics and knowing that it's okay to separate yourself from your work and that if you make a connection with somebody, great. But that you, I also, I feel like there's a pressure to, to be family in a theater setting and a lot of the times, not a lot, but you know, some of the times you might not have anything in common with those people. And then there's this additional pressure or anxiety to like be BFFs with everybody you work with. Yeah. And especially when you're on like uh, a tour or a cruise contract or an extended like summer stock thing in the middle of the woods with no town around, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like you, you get, uh, you, you don't have any other relationships. You know, you, right. you, you can't contact your actual involuntary personal relationships. So you, you can't, you can't call mm-hmm. your mom, you know, you can't hang out with your brother. You can't, you know, even if you have, uh, you know, best friends or, or a spouse or something at home, you often can't, uh, you definitely can't be with them and you can't, and you often can't communicate with them at all. Right. Uh, yeah. Just but, having a private conversation. <laughs> 
yeah. to reach out to somebody and be like, I've had a really rough day. All these people are driving me crazy. Like, and you can't because you're stuck in a van with those people or a hotel yeah. room or whatever. Yeah. yeah there's uh, no, no privacy on those. And so you, you got, you, you, you have, we're humans, you know, so we have to, right. uh, there's a drive to replace these relationships because we need them. We need close relationships. We need, uh, we, we need to feel like we belong to a community and that there are people who understand us. And so when we're on these contracts, um, these, these tours and, and whatever, we, we need to, um, move these people into the personal category as quickly as possible. Right, right, right. So it sounds like more of having a, a knowledge and an awareness around relationship dynamics. Yeah, can yeah. help can help like sort of mitigate some some anxiety going into a situation, and and also like get rid of some of the pressure. I think to to feel like you have to be best friends with everybody around you. <laughs> Yeah, and showmances never get beyond the intensifying stage. Never move into integration. Interesting. Um, I find it, and I this is just my speculation, but I feel like we get into this intensifying loop where huh. you can't actually integrate because you're on a bus. You know, <laughs> like there's nothing you 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 can't you can't do that. Like you're not going to get engaged. You're not going to get an apartment together. You're not going to m- move forward in in these like more tangible ways. Right. Um, because everything above intensification um, involves tangible social rituals. Um, and you can't do any of that. So I feel like you get into this, this loop of intensification. And that's what's really interesting. Because that's why these r- relationships feel so intense. Because you just dive down and, and all you can do is get closer to this person. Because you can't, um, you don't have the opportunity to make the mistake of moving in with them too soon or uh you know you don't you don't there's the pitfalls of other relationships uniquely aren't there right um you know it's like when you had uh, a relationship in high school you know if 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 you fell in love at 15 that was the most real love you've ever felt in your life <laughs> right <laughs> there's no there's there's no barriers to that relationship right um and there's nothing right. and there's no end game for it because like you're Mm -hmm. 15 you can't move in with each other you know you're not gonna get a joint bank account like there's there's no (laughs) you can't move on to that stage so you just get more and more intense because that's all you can do right Um, and i feel like that's what happens on these uh in in these theater relationships especially uh where you just get um where you're on the road you know um you you just get more so intense uh, because you can't do anything else Um, Right. This pandemic feels like one endless bus and truck tour. Yeah. (laughs) Nick, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your insight. I really appreciated uh, the communications theories that you brought to the table. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening and thanks to my guest, Nick Kaminsky. For more information on some of the topics we discussed, head on over to our website, anxietyattheartist.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. We'd also love it if you could leave us a rating and a comment in whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. It would be super helpful for the algorithms. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety in the Artist is produced by Grosta Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Bosco Chef.
This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.